Sam, welcome back again. This is going to be your fourth time on my podcast, which is amazing because I rarely ever have any repeat people coming on, but I just love spending my time with you. I think well, I'm just I'm very honored person. <laughs> Thank you. Hello to all your viewers. And Amanda, it's a pleasure to hang out with you. This is the first time face to face like we did audio before, right? Right. All three previous episodes were just straight audio. I was still and we, really and we still get that. along with each other even face to face. Right. I am not completely repulsed. Nobody <laughs> would be. <laughs> you probably know this. You're a pretty handsome guy. I am still stop it. Wildly attractive to my husband. So not going oh, there, but you, you are well, a good looking yeah, dude. Thank you. Thank you. I actually have um a lot of men who uh well, I'm not gonna say a lot, but I have a in, in my days had men make comments and I'm like, well, you know, I'm married and I love women, but you know, thank you. Appreciate that. So <laughs> like I'd say I've got a, I've got a big um gay target audience. They're just like out there somewhere. I'm like, yep, cool. Love them. Love them. <laughs> so thanks. a few months ago, I was following along on your Instagram page and I started seeing familiar language in writing, which was a foreign language. Uh, but it happens to be where I was born. So I was born in Germany. You got to go to Germany with your dad. What was this trip all about? Why'd you go? What would you, what'd you guys do? It was the ultimate father and son trip of a lifetime. And wow. I lived in Germany for a, about 18 months, 2006, seven, eight, roughly, and learned German. I was living in Karlsruhe. And um, I said, I've got to take my old man there. He's 79. I know that he loves the same German beer as me. Mm. We both love bullet trains. And I thought, well, if I don't do it now, maybe I don't get the chance later on. You right. know what I'm saying? He's 79. Yeah. So, and you know, he's, he's still fit and able to get around. And I was like, book the flights. Let's go. We're doing it. So we went for two weeks just recently in September and absolutely awesome. We, probably planned about let's say 30 percent you know of the stuff like accommodation a, a one museum a couple of things not much and the rest was just spontaneous oh. and the awesome, most awesome stuff happened um i got my dad on the dance floor at a street electro party in frankfurt and we'd been hanging out in frankfurt for like the whole day having a few beers and then it's like 10 p.m. We're like, come on, let's go back to the hotel. We're done. And as we're walking back to the hotel, I hear this like, like thumping bass line. We come around the corner and there's hundreds of people and there's this pump and street party and really funky electro house playing. And I'm like, old man, we are going to get as close to the DJ as we can. So I've got video. I'll, I'll share it with you. But uh, it's my old man and me right near the DJ and everyone's just like rocking like this. And it it was just like, check, got my old man on the dance floor at 79. And, you know, that's just priceless. <laughs> Loved it. Oh my gosh. And that was outside of Frankfurt. You said, how far did you no, get? It was, it was right near Frankfurt main train station. Wow. Yeah. How far did you guys get to explore? Well, we, we stayed in Frankfurt a couple of nights. Then we went to Karlsruhe to meet some family friends. Then we went down to Munich for about four nights. 
and then up to Berlin for about three and then back to Frankfurt for one. Oh my goodness. Big triangle. <laughs> a, big, a big Bermuda triangle in Germany. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And there are so many misconceptions that American ha- Americans in general have about Germany. We still think of Germany as being this war-torn country, and it's just not. Those are just where the history books stopped showing images of Germany here in the U.S. is World War II. They, mm. they, they have really thrived since then. Oh, yeah. Make, they make the best cars. The leaders in philosophy, uh, physics, um, they've got great food, great cultural things, um, and... Honestly, the Germans that I've met are the some of the funniest, most hospitable people. They have a, a great sense of humor, and uh, I love them very much. So uh, that's that's my experience. And yeah, of course, you know, initially you see you talk to a German, and you have this impression of they're a bit cold and guarded, and that's true. But I think once you get past that, they're incredibly lovable people and they they do know how to relax and have a great time and i i was actually thinking how the landscape of germany is quite flat like there's a few hills but it's generally flat and it's landlocked and how that influenced the consciousness and the language is very precise and as a result they're very efficient people and formal and so that might come across when you meet them as they're oh they're a bit formal and cold it's like no that's there's all these influences that just make it seem that way but there's much more to them like any culture like when i was going to to america and lived in la for six years people were like what do you want to go to america for they're crazy over there you know yes and we are yes some of them are crazy as as hell but um you know at least five percent of them are great people <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm so sad I didn't get to meet you when you were living in LA. I mean, well, I lived there on and off for 14 years. You're in Denver still? Yes. Yep. I'm in Denver. Where now. else have you been? Oh, gosh. Well, I was born in Germany. We left there what when city? I was two and a half. Um, I was born in the Landstuhl Hospital right next to Kaiserslautern. Kaiserslautern. Nice. Yes. Yep. Outside yep. of the Remstein Air Force Base. Very cool. Yeah, my dad was stationed at Remstein and we lived off base in a small apartment back then. So when we okay. left there, I was like two and a half. So I don't remember a whole lot of it, but I do have some memories of Germany. And we moved to Maryland. And then when I was seven, we went to, I think it was seven. We went to Arkansas for a year and then out to California up in the Victorville area which is kind of high desert for the people that aren't familiar with it. It's like the halfway point between Las Vegas and LA. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we never went to Vegas when I was a kid. Uh, And then we moved away from there and went to Utah and we just bounced around all over the place. Yeah. It was, it was kind of a weird upbringing living in a military family. I learned pretty early on that it was difficult for me to really build a strong connection with somebody. But then when I did find that strong connection, I wanted to make sure that I held on to it. I think that's probably why this is the fourth time you're on my podcast. <laughs> you know, I, I can appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think you're just an awesome person. You're an amazing human being. And I like having you on the show because it gives me an excuse to hang out with you and chat for a little bit. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. 
So what, what else you? are we going to talk about? Have you always lived <clears throat> in Australia? Uh, Other well, than originally... get the years in California? I lived in Germany and I lived in California and um, Australia. That's that's it. So originally born in Perth, Western Australia, which is the most isolated capital city in the world. Oh, wow. And um, there's about 1.5 million people in the capital. And in the state, maybe two. And the state of Western Australia is about a third of the size of America. One state. So we only have, we only have, we have seven states or we have, five states and a few, you know, two territories, right? Australian capital territory. That's where Canberra is. That's the equivalent of Washington and the Northern Territory. And um, yeah, it's a big state. Goodness. It's mostly mostly desert and mining operations. Yeah. Every now and then I'll do this research on some country and just, I wanted to know more about them or their culture, or their history. And I think about the size of this country that I'm researching, like Venezuela. And I think to myself, wow, their president is basically what we have here as governors. Because this their their country is so small, it's about the same size as one of our states. But now here I am having to rethink all of that because Australia is so big, it dwarfs the U.S. Well, U.S., if you include Alaska, is bigger, right? Right. But most Plus of us don't have... include Alaska. <laughs> most of us don't include Tasmania. Oh, yeah. Everyone, when when Australians draw the map of Australia, we often have to remind each other to draw the little triangle at the bottom, which is the island of Tasmania. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you guys have got like 10 times the population of Australia. Oh my gosh. 10 times. So yeah. California's got 40 million in the state. Yeah. The entire population of Australia is 26 or 27 million. Oh my gosh. Most on that bottom east southeast corner and where the weather's nicer not a lot, yeah not not a lot of people in the middle yeah. yeah a lot of desolate wasteland out there in the middle of nowhere it's very flat yeah and we hot. have a, a, we have a place in the middle of australia called nullabore that's the indigenous name for a place with no trees and there is not a place uh, there's no trees like you can be driving for hours and hours and then way in the distance like there's a tree like one tree, you know, and it's literally a flat desert. It's got like little shrubs, but it's flat. Wow. Yeah. So what's your favorite childhood memory? I had an imaginary space friend who uh, was an extraterrestrial who came down from outer space, landed in my backyard in a cardboard box, and the the alien's name was Poo's Noise weird name and um Definitely my usual <laughs> my my friend who I, uh, her name is claire at the time she we caught up years later at the time we were like four or five right we went to kindergarten together years later she reminded me oh you had this imaginary friend i'm like oh yeah like you know it just came back and i think that from an early age i had a fascination for outer space and you know, I'm a big sci-fi geek. Like I've got over here a, a, a vintage copy of Space Odyssey 2001, the movie poster, which came oh, out wow. in 1968, like the Stanley Kubrick film, which was uh, based on the book by Arthur C. Clarke. The book is incredible. The movie's incredible. Um, but outer space is 
like for me just fascinating and so i think earliest childhood memory you know loving space i also um I, my mother gave me a book when i was a kid it was one of those books which came with an audio cassette and the main character was a boy and he would read the story and it was about this boy who moved with his family from earth to mars like way in the future and i was like cool you know this boy's like okay i'm saying, saying goodbye to my friends i'm going to the moon station and then we're going to mars we're starting this whole new life and really cool sound effects right and I think that book really, you know, it lit up some sort of inspiration in me to, uh, to I guess, you know, ponder space and go, wow, it's, and I love astrophysics. I'm a big Neil deGrasse Tyson fan. And, um, you know, I, I'm not very much, I'm not much of a scientist. Like I don't get physics too much, but astrophysics, like the sheer size of outer space is just like, poor. So, and anything to do with like, you know, stories about the future where there's a science angle to it. It's like, cool, man, like that, that could be. And I mean, look at, look at life right now. we got so much cool technological breakthroughs happening. It's like, it's no longer science fiction. Right. Right. Like they Absolutely. say science fact. And so much of our daily uh, lives are inundated by things that were inspired by science fiction. Pretty much. I'm it's reading like, this um, Arthur C. Clarke novel right now called The Foundations of Paradise. And it's about a space elevator that they build in Sri Lanka. And there's a mountain in Sri Lanka and they say it, the tower needs to be there. And what they do is they have a space station above the earth and they drop a cable down 40,000 kilometers to the earth to latch onto the earth. And then they have a, a cable. And then they build a space elevator based on that. It's just a cool idea, right? Wow. So I, that might be uh, a way to save on rocket fuel. <laughs> yeah, it could it's, be. It's, it's actually a really good idea, you know. Wow. Have an elevator, then you get tourists up there safer. Yeah. So uh, and that Put was Elon written, out of work job. <laughs> well, uh, he might build it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could see him doing that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you never thought about becoming an astronaut? Oh, yes, I did. Um, yeah. When I was 12, um, at the end of elementary, you get to write in the yearbook, you know, like 50 words, 100 words about what you want to be. And uh, one was a professional football player, Australian rules football player, which that didn't last and didn't happen. <laughs> and the other one was a space explorer. Wow. And travel the universe verbatim. I said, and I want to travel the universe and be a space explorer. I didn't say astronaut. Now, if I fast forward to now, I go, well, if I look at my life and the theme, I have explored, let's say, space in here. Not meaning I'm empty headed, but like um, <laughs> sometimes I am. It's but not like, as vast and uh, empty up there. <laughs> but the mind, that space, I've spent, you know, I did a philosophy degree because I didn't know what job I wanted. And I thought, well, I want to know what people have thought all throughout history about life and not just Western, but Eastern philosophy and different religions and uh, different uh, science fields. But the art of philosophy, which is really to know who you are and to know the purpose of life, that was really appealing to me in my 20s. So I went and did the philosophy degree 
And that I feel is a, an exploration of the universe. So I became what I wrote down. I want to explore the universe. Wow. You actually achieved your childhood goals and dreams. I'm living it. I'm living it. I just <laughs> had to interpret it differently. Wow. What's yeah. your favorite part of what you're doing now? I get to help people overcome emotional baggage that has been hanging on for years uh, using the Martini method, which is the, the cutting edge personal transformation tool on the planet right now. Absolutely certain of that. And I would say that I get to connect with people all around the world and in less than 90 minutes, they can have a, a significant breakthrough to find a new profound awareness of themselves, uh, peace, gratitude, um, whether that's for someone else that they've been resenting or some part of themselves that they've been resenting or they're ashamed of or they're guilty of and have been hanging on to for so long that it's, you know, it's controlling their life. You know, I, I help people um, where if emotions are controlling your life, I help you turn that around so that you control your life and master your emotions. And that's because I learned the Martini method from Dr. John Martini, who's from Texas. Oh, I didn't But he even travels the that. world and teaches now and he's one of my mentors, my main mentor. That was pretty cool. How long have you been working with him? Well, I did his breakthrough experience in LA 2019. And then I did his Martini method facilitation training 18 months ago. And since then, I've done about 185 hours of client facing time. And I'll tell you what, people come to you with stuff and they say, good luck trying to unravel and untangle this. And I say, okay. That's what most people say when they come to me. But the Martin method is a repeatable set of questions and thought exercises that completely changes the way you see a specific thing about your past or a specific thing about your um, about you or someone else. And it's a, a beautiful combination of uh, psychology, philosophy, um, lots of other fields. And it's, it's about loving yourself in a really authentic way. And uh, I, I get to do that. So I'm, I'm grateful that I've learned this method. Pretty cool. And what were you doing before 2019, before you started getting into this? I was a high school teacher in Hollywood. Oh my goodness. That could not have been easy. I was in East Hollywood at a high school and I was teaching 99% Central American students who were fresh off the boat over the border, some of them illegally. And um, I was working for Los Angeles Unified School District during the day, teaching teenagers English. And we had a bit of, we had a ball, right? It was a blast. Wow. Good, good kids, good kids. And um, in the evening, I was teaching uh, predominantly uh, Mexican adults to get their high school diploma. That oh, was rewarding because yeah. they all wanted to be there. They knew why they were there. And um, shout out to all my Mexican friends in LA, beautiful people. Uh, they know how to party and they're just lovely people. And, you know, they got such good hearts. They want good stuff for their family. And my job was to help them pass a test 
the GED, also mm-hmm. the HiSET, and get a better job. So everybody knew while they were there. And I was like, let's get you, let's pass that test. And um, was it, uh, I ended up teaching American history to Americans. Go figure, <laughs> right? Go figure. So, you know, like uh, 20th century stuff, which was cool for me because I didn't know it before moving to LA in 2016. So it's like, wow. all right. And I would just say in front of the class, all right, people, you do realize I'm from Australia. I Australians don't uh, learn that much American history growing up. We learn Australian. We learn English. Um, and then we can choose an elective. I chose Russian history. That was cool. Wow. But you could choose Chinese. You could choose Russian, Indonesian, a um, couple others. But American history is not like the most obvious choice in Australia in schools at least when I was growing up. So it was cool. I get to to learn about the the things that shaped your country. And it's like, very cool. I mean, this is the textbook history. Right. Let's, let's be clear. Like that, that's a very sort of narrow interpretation of what happened. Um, so we had conversations like, look, here's what the test wants you to do and to know. However, let's look at some of the things that are not in the test. Like they don't talk about the fact that the entire West coast of America was Mexico. Right. At some point, all of that was Mexico. And then you guys had a war with them. Um, They don't talk about how the whole middle of America was French territory up to a certain point. Yeah. Um, And for me, that was fascinating. Like, cause I'm an outsider. It's like, I'm a bit like Switzerland. I can look at it and appreciate it and go, that's kind of what happened. But, you know, the test is the test. So <laughs> right. whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. But it was re- really rewarding. And um, I just, living in LA was for me a, a networking smorgasbord. <laughs> I just yes. I just went and networked at Chambers of Commerce, BNI groups, um, Rotary, Kiwanis, um, any networking events I could go to and just met people just, hi, I'm Sam. I'm from Australia. Don't know what I'm really doing, but I have some <laughs> ambition, maybe a little bit of talent. <laughs> You've always been an extrovert though, haven't you? Since childhood? No, no really? um, I'm equally an introvert. Oh. I love my own quiet time and um, I'm very, I would say spiritual person. Like I love to ponder the universe, right? Mm-hmm. And so I need a bit of quiet time, so to speak. And I I love it. I can go off camping for a weekend and just chill out. Don't need anyone. But then there are, you put me in a room with a hundred people by the end of the night, I'll know as many of them by name and have set up meetings and connections and stuff. Or I would have organized it, <laughs> which is what I'm doing, which is what I'm doing in my new job. Now I'm organizing events, which is, Really oh, cool. What is your yeah. new job now? When, do you, so have, when did you start? Uh, uh, um, six months ago, education coordinator for um, a professional uh, industry body um, in Australia. It's called Strata Managers. In America, I think it's Condominium Managers. Is okay. it condo? Like people yeah. who manage condos for the people who live there. Right, right. 
we actually have uh, one of those here where I live. My husband and I, we live in a condo and we have an HOA that kind of oversees the whole thing. Homeowners Association. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's the equivalent here in Australia. And my job is to coordinate webinars, the conference, the awards night, actually emceed for the awards night just recently in October and okay. had a, a ball. <laughs> Excuse me. So now I'm pitching myself to other associations as an MC. Well, it's a good thing you've got a little bit of stage practice. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you want to be a high school teacher or adult education teacher back in the day? Uh, I was inspired by my university professor. Um, I signed up, signed up for an acting class. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me. And I just, his first class, I was like, I want to do that. And this is like second or third year of university. I'm like, what do I want to do? I'll pick some acting classes. Mind you, I'd done some acting stuff in the past and that was fun, but I never really thought pursue it in any way, not in a teaching format. Right. And so I did. I was like, I want to do uh, interactive workshops and teach people to express themselves. And that's kind of been a running theme in my life. I mean, if I look at the Martini method and what that helps people do is express themselves authentically. Right. So it's the same. I've just transitioned, tr transformed, you know, from teaching into now running events and helping others to, you know, express who they are in a professional sense. And I'm also doing that in a coaching sense. And whenever I speak is really to raise the energy in the room and make people feel welcomed and make people go away saying, I want to go back. That was a great gig. I think that's <laughs> important to help people feel welcome and to express themselves authentically. Do you think you've always had kind of like that special knack to be able to teach people stuff? Maybe, I guess so. Let me, yeah. let me get a drink. Let me get a drink. Hang on. <laughs> I think I've learned along the way that I just love to see the fun in things. Not not make fun of things, but see the fun in things, which is you know, a lighthearted spirit. And right. to put a smile on people's faces because too many people in this world are miserable as hell. <laughs> or they're stressed out or they're having to deal with the public or whatever, their partner or whatever it is, stressed out. And so rather than make fun of the situation see the fun in the situation so they go you're right so it helps them to de-stress so that's i think what i'm called to do i think you're good at it sam thanks thanks <laughs> thanks i've got a manual here help me to <laughs> <laughs> you know if only cheer life people did. up <laughs> if only life did come with that manual we'd all be a little bit better off exactly. i think exactly yeah. You got uh, more books in your future. Are you looking at writing some more stuff? Of course. Um, uh, I don't have any on the cards right now, but the recent one was, you know, how to beat imposter syndrome and be confident. That one's still going well. And uh, I was actually interviewed on the radio in LA two weeks ago about the book oh, on wow. the on KPFK radio with Dr. Nita Valens on the Inner Vision show. And, um, yeah, so uh, it's still still promoting it. 
you know, it's, it's a great book and I love helping people with that. I it's do become still a hot to... topic. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know we were talking before I hit record that I, I need to get a copy of your book, but I also need to go through the course with you, but I have a, like a little collection of books and stuff that I have from some of my podcast guests. I need to add yours to that. I'll send you a copy. <laughs> you just, you send me your address later and I'll, I'll send it your way. That's a deal. As a gift, as a gift. Oh, thank you. Christmas but, gift. But that means that I'm going to have your address on the return label. So then I can send you a copy of mine too. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Thank you. And I know we're going to get cut off in, it looks like two and a half minutes, but um, I always have that one last question that I wrap up with because it's my favorite always. Yeah. What is one thing that you love about yourself that's not related to your physical appearance? I love that I know for certain that there is more to the world than what we can see. I'll explain that a little bit more. I know that there is a spiritual dimension to the world and you can't necessarily see it with your physical eyes, but I have this incredible knowing in here. I'm not a religious person. I'm a philosopher. I like to ponder things and find out through my heart and also through my head, but I'm dead set sure that there is more to this world than what we see. And that is freeing and empowering. If you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. You'll find links there on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support the podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted, but I can say that. I work for myself.